This is a crypto finance podcast. We are holding internal knowledge sessions and publish selected episodes to share our know-how and experience with you. Yeah, I would like to talk about distributed file storage or distributed file systems, Filecoin, Zia, storage come to mind on that end. Um, but this is, this is just the latest iteration, distributed way of um, exchanging files have been around for a very long time. Probably the first one that comes to mind easily is Napster, uh, but I'm not even sure if that one was the first one, probably not. And uh, the most prominent one um, after Napster, there were those Kazaa and LimeWire and all these things that I only know from hearsay, never used myself. Since Alex asked before, or teasered that such um, distributed file systems that I used during my career as a physicist were mostly Lustre, just a high performance. It's distributed in the way that it's distributed across one data center uh, on all the compute nodes and it's very high, high throughput, high performance file system. But that's not really the type that what we will call and talk about today. But the other one I used was OpenAFS Andrew file system. That one was actually very uh, fancy. It allows you to have something like a um, file system that really felt like a file system on your system, but it would bind all local file systems of the participants together in a very neat way. Let's start the history with, with BitTorrent, right? because BitTorrent is, is the most prominent that's, been, that's around today. It has very valid and very valuable use cases uh, in that, for example, every time that a new version of Ubuntu comes out or anything of that type, which is just uh, very difficult to distribute um, because there is not much money to pay for a distribution network. Ubuntu might be a bad example for that, but something of that type, something large, open source, free. Uh, then distributing it by torrent is actually a very decent idea. What you do is you publish that torrent uh, that typically happens via uh, indexing sites or via an, an in-application search engine. Uh, that allows you to look for these torrent files. What this torrent file is, is essentially um, a bit of metadata of the file that you're sharing and then a list of seeders, of, of trackers, of, of initial seeders that, um, that probably have the complete file and will tell you about other parts. And I, I will glance over quite a few things here. Uh, this is a very techni technologically complex topic, but I, it's not interesting. I, will, I want to come to the incentive mechanisms um, of these things for that. Quite a lot of the technology is not really relevant. But I, I think that part is relevant that if you have a very big file that you want to share, um, then you can either do that by, by just renting AWS instances or um, actually S3 would probably be the more appropriate one. So really dedicated uh, networks that are meant for this distribution. They are very expensive to operate. And the other one would be something like Torrent, where if you want to share the file, uh, you would put them up at, on, on your end. You, you split that file into, say, 10 blocks. You would share each of these 10 blocks to 10 different participants that then share it among each other after that. So that 10 people have the file, and if if for whatever reason uh, one of them drops out and only nine are around in the network, they can always come back to you to get the tenth one. You are the one that actually um, provides the and seeds the data, but it's also possible to distribute that file without you. This is this is really the way how it how it 
typically works that, that instead of for, for the one who sees it, having linear complexity, sending it once to everyone who wants it, uh, you have a very much lower complexity. You send it a few times, um, and then everybody else uh, exchanges those chunks with each other. That makes use of, of uplink capacity. Um, I at home here have one gigabit symmetric, so one gigabit down, one gigabit up. Uh, the one gigabit up is rarely used. So if I want to download the file, I don't really care if I'm also at the same time uploading that file. There are a few properties about that that are very interesting, um, that are really very interesting, that are very non-typical for other use cases of how, how the internet works. Probably the most important one is that this becomes more efficient, easier to get files, the more interest there is in these files. While otherwise you would typically have, um, in, in a linear model, you would typically have that if many people want that file, then either the one distributing it has to ramp up his resources or it gets slower for everybody. While for this file sharing, it gets faster for everybody the more people are interested and the more people are actively downloading and by that also uploading that file. Maybe I have one question. So yeah. in the distributed database, if you distribute the file over several computers or databases, so if you have spread it over three, and one is offline. Maybe I missed that before, um, but can you then access the file? Um, or how does it work? You can access that file if somebody in the network has that part. But this is a problem that I'm not quite sure how prominent that still is today, um, but there was a problem in the early days of, of file sharing uh, when this was really done by hobbyists. Um, that, that you might end up in a situation where you have eight out of the 10 chunks of that file and the remaining two are just nowhere to be found. And then you cannot download that anymore. That's actually the second important point. This is a model that, is, that, that does not happen for files that are uh, currently actively being of interest. There it only very rarely happens. But if, if say, um, I, I download via such a, such a system Ubuntu version 20.4, because it's just released yesterday, then I will find all the chunks everywhere. It will be very easy for me to download that. If I try to download the exact same file a year later, then interest might have died down significantly. Nobody shares that file anymore. Uh, maybe even the one who initially shared it does not do so anymore. And then I might find only a few of the chunks, but not all of them. But this requires that everyone is having the whole file. That I get. But mm -hmm. if you split the file, I mean, you want to avoid that everyone with a, where I store my files is just having a, a part of it. I don't want to have it saved in three different places, the whole file, right? So I share it. Otherwise, I multiply the, the, mm -hmm. the data space. Yes, but that is what happens in distributed file storage. Um, with one exception, I will come to that in a second, but usually uh, this is about sharing files because multiple um, entities want that file. Um, which gets me more or less directly to IPFS, the Interplanetary File System, uh, which is actually a very, very neat system. I like that and it's being used um, in quite a lot of places. Uh, you will quite often, for example, find that metadata of an ERC-20 contract or metadata of uh, non-fungible tokens in an ERC-721 standard are being saved 
on IPFS. So that if I if I have a token, then that token contract has a picture which which might be like the, the, the theme of what these tokens are about. And then each individual token has a picture to it. And these pictures are very often, if you look at uh, at the Ethereum blockchain, those are very often stored in the IPFS. IPFS is essentially file system, file storage that is very similar to, to torrents, uh, with the main difference that it's that it happens more on the fly than torrents. And with torrents, I said that at the beginning, if you want to create such a torrent, you have to take the file, write the metadata file, make that metadata file available. And all of that uh, is not really as present in IPFS. So the idea there is more of the type, okay, if, if I want to, to share, if I want to distribute a file, like such a picture, then I just have to put that file into, um, into the IPFS mounted folder on my, on my disk. It gets indexed there. It gets announced through the distributed hash table uh, and others can then find it under its hash. Uh, IPFS actually uses a very neat word. I did not hear that before. They call it content addressed file system. Uh, this is the file with this hash. The token would reference uh, that hash. It's rarely by name, although that also happens. Uh, it's most times just by hash. And I hope I did not lose anybody now. Did I lose somebody? Yeah, me. Okay. Where did I lose? You lost me at the actual use case, why this is now the way you just explained it, it is. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, I do understand that I lost you there because what I said is very, very different from what Filecoin and about IPFS. Yeah. And that is one of the points that I will come to about the incentive model, where IPFS works, where torrents work, where Filecoin is necessary as an incentive mechanism. Uh, but that's some of the, the next topic. Um, okay. I wanted to, to, to draw the, the circle on, um, okay, uh, distributed uh, file storage, torrent type file storage has been around for a very long time by now. Um, and even though there have always been calls for, hey, that's really a bad situation that, that a file might not be available anymore a year later, let's, uh, let's try to get like, small payments into torrents in order to incentivize seeding. There's been a discussion that has always been around, very much pre-Bitcoin even. But even without such an incentive mechanisms, these torrents work just on their own. They don't need an outside incentive mechanism uh, because they are very good in everybody helps the network at the same time when he needs it the most. Right? So as long as there is a global interest in something, that system is stable and works as it is without any outside incentive mechanisms. That's very important to me. And let's really just say IPFS, and I, again, I'm glancing over quite a lot of technical details that are probably, hopefully, not important um, to understand this. But IPFS is a, is a very much ad hoc version of torrents. So it's very easy to, to, to bootstrap them. It's very easy to also link them um, across another. And there are very valid use cases for IPFS. Let's just say you are an independent journalist. You, you took a video of, of something that happened and you want to distribute it from your mobile very quickly. Uh, then 
scenario might be, okay, you have a, a website on IPFS on which just as the, as the next entry in your, in your blog or in your, in your magazine, you put a link to that video and you serve that video yourself from your mobile. If you would do that with just serving it to everybody, that would break very quickly. Your mobile cannot handle that. But if you serve that and everybody who looks at that, everybody who downloads that video to watch it also serves it for you, then this, uh, this really creates a situation where, where you create the search capacity as much as there is interest in the thing that you distribute. So that's great. I love that. That's useful for, uh, for, for linking small things in some of uh, other immutable systems. That's very useful for search distribution of, um, of things. Um, it does have a problem that the same problem that torrents have, that as soon as there is nobody anymore who seeds it. So if just one file gets, gets lost, then it's unrecoverable. Or if, if that was being broadcast from your mobile, everybody else lost interest or pruned their cache, so it's not on, on their nodes anymore, uh, but your mobile still has it, but, but hey, it ran out of batteries, then nobody can watch it until you get your mobile back up. So that was, and this is slightly because I had to get back through looking at, old, at the old ICO prospectus and through the old news outlets, everything. But that is the problem that, um, that Filecoin was trying to solve, that you have this IPFS plus an incentive layer, an incentive mechanism okay. for persisting files. Okay. Did I get you back yeah. now, Hesse? Yeah, you got me now. Okay. This is not what happened. And I, I see that this is, this is very difficult because if you look at the, at the, prospect, at the ICO prospectus where uh, Filecoin got um, collected 200 million US dollar, then it, it really says that. It says, okay, this is an incentive mechanism on top of IPFS. If you look at the, at the latest things, then it does not sound like that anymore. Even on their, on their own website, they have a whole section about IPFS and Filecoin, where Filecoin stands not for the token that incentivizes the IPFS, but where Filecoin uh, is really the Filecoin network in a, in a, in a sense. And that section and it tells you when you should use IPFS and when you should use Filecoin. And it starts off by Filecoin and IPFS are complementary protocols for storing and sharing data in the distributed web. Yeah. And that's, that's true. It's, it's really uh, two fairly distinct um, systems that are both supported by them like the software that you download. IPFS has not much to do with Filecoin. Filecoin, the token, is not being used as an incentive mechanism for IPFS. And it goes so far that there is a, a very recent document, I believe it's from August, with a title, Introducing the Filecoin Economy, right, for uh, why, why does that token have value and what's up with that. Uh, that's a very lengthy document, and it does not mention IPFS even once. Right? Um, so what is Filecoin if it has nothing to do with IPFS? That's probably now the, the better question. In the uh, abstract of the Filecoin white paper, or the um, prospectus, some of what to call it, 
but the document Filecoin, a decentralized storage network that Protocol Labs published in July 2017. They, they write about, I mean, at that time, IPFS already existed. The alpha version of IPFS is of 2015. Right? Um, so it was already around, um, but they wanted it that they are wrong. So what they wrote in this abstract is IPFS has proven the utility of content addressing by decentralizing the web itself, serving billions of files used across the global peer-to-peer -peer network. That is true. IPFS is awesome. No complaints there. And then they also write, Filecoin works as an incentive layer on top of IPFS, which can provide storage infrastructure for any data. And that's the part that, that upsets me a bit because, uh, because that's, that's really not um, how it is being used now. They, nowadays, they even write on their website, while interacting with IPFS does not require using Filecoin, all Filecoin nodes are IPFS nodes under the hood and can connect and fetch specifically formatted data from IPFS. So they, the, the, the software that you download can connect to the Filecoin network and to the IPFS network. Uh, when you want to connect something on IPFS, sharing that is in the interest of the one sharing it. Um, there's no additional incentive mechanism, and that's fine. If you want to get it from the Filecoin network, that's fine as well. Um, so what is Filecoin network? That's the network that has been launched recently and the, where there was quite a lot of fuss. And really, I don't want to go too much into that, but that's um, intended for uh, long-term storage of, of your data. What you do there is you, you make a contract with, uh, they even call it miner, but you make a contract with somebody who stores that file for you. He has to put up some collateral in order to to not drop that file just um, before you need it again. Um, it does not get replicated a lot. I mean, you might decide to, to give to two of these, uh, of these operators so that they do not lose your file. That goes to, to Jan's question in the beginning. It's not about replicating that all over. Distribution networks are about replicating it all over. Filecoin network for storing your files is not about replicating that. It's about replicating it as much as necessary for you yourself to be able to retrieve that file later. Access to those files is a very lengthy process uh, and it's really uh, on, their, on their website, they even write, consider Filecoin something like the cold storage of data and IPFS, the hot storage of data. And I guess all of you know what I think about these words, hot storage and cold storage, but that gives some of the, what it's supposed to be used for. One is for very quick movement of and very high availability. For that, also very high redundancy and um, very high level of replication. Uh, and the other one, very much not. So for, for this Filecoin network, I, I also, I mean, there, there might be valid use cases for that, but honestly, I do not see many of them. And what, what would I use it for? It really depends on how professional I would consider the counterparty. Since the file that I upload there is, is my file, it's something that I care about. I would either store it myself or I would encrypt it and send it to, to S3, to I don't know, some professional provider for that. Doing it on Filecoin, which is supposed to use like spare hard disk capacity, at least that's, that's a bit how it's advertised. Uh, I would probably worry too much about the incentive mechanisms. But yes, uh, the one that stores the files for me has to put up some collateral 
that that he would lose part of if he drops the file if he cannot prove anymore that he has the file but i mean i would really have to look very closely about the intent incentives there because if it's just 50 bucks uh, that he has to put up then i would be worried that if he realizes okay cyberpunk 2077 comes out next week and i want to play that i need the hard disk space now myself so i drop this file i drop this 50 bucks it's cheaper for me to drop that 50 bucks than to go and buy a new hard disk. If it's more than 50 bucks that he has to put up um, as collateral, then I would very much question if it can still be cheap for me to rent that. Right? Because that guy wants, of course, a return on, on what he locks up. And I actually, um, I, I have to be very, very frank about that. I did not read the details of these incentive mechanisms whenever you, what the costs are and what the, how much you have, they have to put up for as collateral. But two things for that. First, Boise wrote about that in his market commentary. Seems that in order to participate in this network, it's not just um, having spare disks lying around. Actually, you need quite a, quite a fancy, uh, quite fancy hardware. Um, quite a lot of memory in order to execute the proofs that you that you still have the files around quite decent CPUs and these rigs somewhat sell for around 50, 40K. What was it, Hoysi? Probably you know that better than I do. I think it was 40K, $40,000. Yeah. So that's not the that's not the, the, the business incentives of, hey, I have a hard disk lying around. Let me utilize that uh, so it can be cheap for somebody. That's really more the, I make a business out of storing something. Um, and then, of course, if, if that's the business, uh, then reputation plays in there. And they have to also, in price, compete with AWS. And I, I have a hard time believing that they will be able to do that. Again, let me, let me stress that a lot. I like IPFS because I do see the incentive mechanisms there, even though there is a risk of dropping files, of losing files. But the, not the, as long as there is interest in the file, it will not get lost. I do not see the use case of these Filecoin network type storage. So and the second point that I wanted to make there is um, they write a lot about the, that they did sophisticated uh, simulations of the, uh, of the network incentives, that they, they, they write a lot about uh, how they choose to, to issue these Filecoin, that it's not purely exponentially decaying, but it grows with the number, with the, the size of provided storage as well uh, and why that would be better in order to align all the incentives and that they simulated all of that which makes it a bit ironic that this failed on, on like day two and um, there was a lot was written about a, a minor strike there are two things that are certainly not true about that first it was not a strike and second it was not minors but the problem was that in order to, to providers of hardware, providers of, of storage resources, they call that mining, but it really is mining under, under no reasonable definition is that mining. But those, those guys, they, they were around, they had all the hardware geared up, but in order to, um, to actually connect that hardware to the system, uh, what they needed was also provide uh, collateral in Filecoin. And that was not around from the beginning. So just the, the ramping that up in the beginning was something that was essentially impossible, which kind of 
sounds like something that you might have noticed if you simulate that. That's all I had to say about this. What about the use case of censorship resistant data storage? So meaning that if I have a file that's important to me or my business or whatever, that I use file, the Filecoin network in order that if the police comes and seizes my computers and everything, it's still somewhere else, which has not a direct link to me. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a use case, yes. So not having that connected with you at all. I, don't, I mean, so my, my first reaction is just, just put, a, put a hard disk in a bank vault. Second reaction yes, is encrypted. Yes, but that's but that's connected to me, meaning if they know that I have a vault at that bank, they can seize that too. If it's on someone's spare disk space where, it's, where there's no contract or anything like that, mm -hmm. then it's a different story. Also, if I put it on AWS or something, they can go to Amazon and probably get the data if there's a warrant, which is not the case for Filecoin, I would assume. Yeah, and it's also not the case for mega upload but that's public data. Oh, you, you can also have that private and many of these services already ex accept cryptocurrencies for payment. Yeah, then it's just something else. Just trying to find a use case. <laughs> yeah, sure. Me too. I mean, the, the storage of the files is not decentralized. It's still with, with one other party, right? Or you might do two, but then you pay for two. What's decentralized there is brokering the contracts for that storage, right? You, you'd make a contract with the counterparty to store a certain amount of data for a certain amount of time. That is being decentralized, but I'm not quite sure if that even makes it better uh, because I would assume that also quite a bit of reputation goes into my choice where I want to host my data. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by Crypto Finance. We are happy to receive comments and feedback. Email your thoughts to research at cryptofinance.ch.